All right, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Hebrews chapter number 12. This is what we get when Dave leads songs. We go an octave higher. That was a beautiful song, a little out of my reach, but uh, I hope you meditated on those words. Hope you're walking in the truth that he truly is sovereign over your life. Do you believe, even in the midst of difficult circumstances, that God is working all things for your good and his glory? Yes, things that are difficult. Yes, things that we would not choose, things that are hard, suffering, trials, difficulty. Yes, even discipline can be for our good. This is our hope and our prayer this morning that we would not just know that from Scripture, but we would believe that truth in our heart, in our life, that we would walk in that reality. Hebrews chapter number 12. Endurance through discipline. This is the title of our message this morning. Endurance through discipline. This section of endurance began all the way back in chapter number 10 as we have been plodding along, working our way expositionally through Hebrews. We're now in the last couple chapters here, and we have seen this theme or this topic of endurance before. We were challenged even just last week to run how? With endurance, this race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the author and completer or finisher of our faith. Endurance is a topic that we all have a different relationship with from time to time. Different seasons of life, maybe our physical fitness, we have more endurance because we've been working out, we've been doing our cardio work, our our lungs and our heart are strong, and we can go out, we can jog, we can demonstrate endurance, we can go a farther distance because our our endurance has been worked and improved over time. The sad thing about endurance at my age, when I'm staring down uh, the young age of 40 years old, The sad thing about endurance is that you lose it quickly, (laughs) but unfortunately, you don't gain it back quite as quick, do you? It takes time to build up endurance. And so I wonder this morning, has this topic of endurance, has it been on your heart and your mind as you consider running the race to win, as Pastor Andy challenged us just last week? And running how? With endurance. Not in our own strength, but looking to Jesus. Considering Jesus, the one who endured perfectly. And he came and took on flesh, went to a cross, gave of himself, gave of his life. Who drank that bitter cup of the wrath of God, he endured. At the cross, he cried out, it is finished. Completed his mission that the Father sent him to do. Endurance. We're going to look at a new facet of 
endurance this morning, if you will, through the lens of discipline. We're going to see how God really strengthens our endurance, fosters endurance, grows endurance through the vehicle of discipline. I'm thankful that God is God. We just affirmed that through the last song. He is sovereign over us, meaning he has authority over our lives at all times. But just for a moment, if we were to put ourselves in the place of God, I'm sure we would not choose for discipline, or excuse me, for endurance to be developed through discipline. We would choose some other more joyful and comfortable means that endurance would come about in our lives. But God, in his sovereignty, has chosen the vehicle of discipline to bring about endurance so that we can run. And so I wonder this morning again, are you considering this idea of endurance? How is your race of the Christian life going? In this year of our Lord, 2023, In this final quarter of the year, how is your race going? Are you struggling? Are you waning? Are you a little out of breath, so to speak, spiritually? As we look to Hebrews chapter number 12, we're going to find hope. Not in our own strength and our own work and our own ability to pick ourselves up by our bootstraps and just work harder and do more. But we're going to find hope as we rest in the person and work of Jesus and see him work out endurance in our lives through his faithful and consistent and loving discipline in our lives. We look back to chapter number 10, verse number 36. We were reminded that we have need of endurance. This isn't something that naturally comes about in our life. Spiritual endurance in the Christian life is something that is supernatural. God's work of grace in our life through the power of the Holy Spirit and through the truth of God's word changing us into his likeness day after day through his progressive work of sanctification in our lives. It is a supernatural work, and we have need of endurance. Why? Because this this world is full of trials and difficulty and hardships. We have talked about them at length in the study of Hebrews. We've also been warned over and over again in the book of Hebrews against the, the sin of unbelief. Having an evil and unbelieving heart, we were reminded early on in the book of a generation that fell in the wilderness, that did not enter into God's rest. We were challenged and warned against the sin of apostasy, falling away, deconstructing, to use our modern term. Endurance, running well, finishing the course that God has put before us, oh For such a time as this, do we need to learn about God's word and his truth concerning endurance in the faith? Influences, evil, war, challenge, oppression, a tempter, a thief that has come to steal, kill, and destroy, who wants to wreak havoc in your life, in your marriage, in your family, all that we would endure 
as Hebrews challenges us to do. And so we have need of endurance. And so it's an opportunity for us when we find a need to lean into that and receive God's truth for our need. We were challenged, again, not to shrink back, do you remember it, but rather to live by faith and preserve our souls. This was demonstrated or illustrated in chapter 11 as Pastor Dave walked us through the hall of faith. Example after example, we saw the truth of God's endurance, his faithfulness, these Old Testament men and women, to see them through. Chapter 12, as Pastor Andy reminded us last week, begins by calling us back to endurance. And so verse 1, we are to run with what endurance? We are called to run with our eyes on whom? Jesus. And it was Jesus who modeled perfect endurance. In verse 2, it was Jesus who endured the cross, despised the shame, and is now rightfully seated at the right hand of the throne of God, interceding before the Father on our behalf right now making intercession on our behalf. Knowing our weaknesses, knowing our frailties, we have a great high priest. Oh, the hope and encouragement that the priestly role of Jesus Christ is in this topic of endurance. Verse number three. Pastor Andy reminded us not only did he endure the cross and all that was involved in bearing the transgressions of sinners and drinking again that bitter cup of God's wrath for you and I, but he also endured the hostility from the very ones he came to save. You remember John chapter number one, verses 10 and 11. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. Hostility Jesus met as he came into this world. Jesus models perfectly what he calls us to do. It is to follow him with endurance. And so the author finishes verse 3 with this admonition to what? Not grow weary or faint-hearted. Do you see it there? Don't grow weary or or faint-hearted. Do you remember our recipients of this letter? Who were they? Jewish Christians. These Jewish Christians were likely gathering in Jerusalem, and although they had come to believe that Jesus was the Messiah, they were fighting this temptation to do what? To return back to Judaism. Why? Why did they have this pull and this tendency to throw in the towel and go back to the old ways, trusting in this Levitical priestly system? Why would they even consider that? Because of this increasing persecution and hostility to the gospel. It was hard. It was difficult in following Jesus. And so this is why the author right here, as he's beginning to wrap up his letter, is reminding them once again of the importance of endurance. Endure. Persevere. Continue on. Look to Jesus. Remembering that he that has begun a good work and you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. This is the hope that we have. What Jesus begins, he always finishes. And so endure, friends, this morning through 
discipline. These Jewish Christians, they were were wrestling with questions. Is it worth it in the midst of the hardship? You remember just in chapter 10, their homes, their property, they were being plundered, taken from them, destroyed utterly. This is real persecution that these Jewish Christians endured. And and they're asking themselves, they're wrestling with these real questions. Is it worth it? Is this Jesus thing worth it all? Is it real? Why is following Jesus so hard? The author points his readers' attention back to Jesus, and he challenges them to consider Christ. In verse number four, to consider Christ and the example that he left us. Jesus endured persecution and hostility just like you and I will endure persecution and hostility for following Jesus. And so the challenge, the admonition is to not grow weary or faint-hearted in the midst of opposition. Jesus was rejected by men. So don't grow weary or faint-hearted. Jesus had no place to lay his head. So don't grow weary or faint-hearted. Jesus was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. So don't grow weary or faint-hearted. Endure. We have a high priest who sympathizes with our weaknesses. Yet, without sin. Do you remember Hebrews 4, 14 through 16? I'll read them once again, as Pastor Dave did earlier in our service. Since then, we have no doubt about it, right? Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. This is our high priest. So the author of Hebrews tells us to run with endurance, keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, just like that runner would keep their eyes fixed on what? The finish line. This runner would lay aside weights and encumbrances, not looking to the left or to the right, but rather looking to Jesus. And so we transition on to verses 4 through 11. We read them this morning, so for the sake of time, I won't read them once again, but we're reminded in the context of verses 4 through 11 to not grow weary or faint-hearted, but rather endure through discipline. So the big idea of our text this morning is this. The gospel enables and empowers us to run the race of life with endurance and to joyfully receive the discipline of the Lord as his son's and daughters. Let's read that one more time. Follow with me again. The big idea of our text, verses 4 through 11, the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the person and work of Jesus. It is his work in us. The gospel enables and empowers us to run the race of life, this Christian life, 
with endurance and to joyfully receive the discipline of the Lord as his sons and his daughters. So we run with endurance. And while we run, we look to Jesus and we consider Jesus and how he endured all along the way. The gospel then becomes what? It becomes our sustaining force enabling this endurance that we're called to. The gospel that saves is the gospel that empowers and gives us the ability through the Holy Spirit, the truth of God's word, the fellowship of the body. It empowers us to endure in the faith. We're called to endure. We are in need of endurance, friends, so lean in to this truth. And as we consider Christ, we consider his endurance of the cross. He became obedient to the Father, took on flesh, humbled himself, went to the cross, shed his blood, atoned for the sin of mankind, was placed in the tomb for one day and for two days, and on the third day, he went to battle and defeated death and rose up from the grave. Friends, this morning, the tomb is still empty, so therefore, we endure. Therefore, we endure. Friends, I look around this room, and I see trials and difficulties that I know of. Some I don't. I see God's faithfulness in your life in the midst of difficult trial and setbacks, hardships, seasons of loss and difficulty. God has truly been faithful. And because he lives, you remember this old song? What can you do? You could face tomorrow. Because he lives, every fear is gone. Do you believe that this morning? Do you know this is the God that you serve? Jesus, this is the Savior who knows your weaknesses, your trials, and your difficulties. He sympathizes with you. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He's right there with you in the midst of your hurt, your trial, your loss, your seasons of difficulty. Jesus is there as your high priest, as your Savior and Lord. And as he rose up from the grave, he claimed victory then, now, and for all eternity, that victory is ours in Christ Jesus. And so we are called to not only run with endurance in this text, but we are also called to endure discipline from the Lord. These are the, the two key themes of verses 1 through 11 in this extended paragraph endurance and discipline. Again, Pastor Andy laid out beautifully the foundation for endurance. And endurance is certainly multifaceted. We, we need endurance in the Christian life for various reasons. In the previous passages, we have been called to endurance because of persecution, trials, hardships here. The author is calling us to consider Christ because we will need endurance in our Christian life due to the corrective discipline of the Lord in our lives. Yeah, we need endurance for hardships. Yeah, we need endurance for persecution and difficulties. But friends, we also need endurance to sustain the discipline from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and from God the Father. 
Look at me at verse number four. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Here the author is reminding the readers that it can and will likely get more difficult than whatever they're experiencing at that moment. In the face of opposition and pressure to turn back to Judaism, to give in to the sin of apostasy, the author is reminding them that they have not given it all just yet. So by God's grace, keep on enduring. And all they had, although they hadn't shed their blood in martyrdom yet, Jesus had given his life to purchase theirs. There was someone who had given their life to the point of shedding of blood, and it is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And we know that that sacrifice is better. Have you grown weary of hearing that? I hope not. The sacrifice that Jesus provides as recorded in the book of Hebrews, it is a better sacrifice. Securing a a better hope and better promises through a better covenant, the new covenant that is through the blood of Jesus Christ. Do you remember? So Jesus had given his life for theirs. Jesus, the example, once again, look to him and consider him and Endure, verse number five, officially introduces this topic of discipline. And now the author will begin to provide some teaching about endurance in light of the discipline of the Lord. So our first point this morning will be corrective discipline from the Lord reveals a meaningful relationship. Corrective discipline from the Lord reveals a meaningful relationship. We really see this all the way down from verses five through nine. Uh, we're going to hit on some, some highlights and some key points here in regards to discipline revealing a meaningful relationship. Lest the author further discourage his readers. He challenges them to view this call to endure under the Father's corrective discipline through the lens of a what? A relationship. Why? Because relationship always informs our response or reaction to circumstances. Concerning corrective discipline. You get what I mean there? Let me say that one more time. Relationship always informs how we respond or react to God's corrective discipline. Let's say you're having a life group over and you're babysitting some other kids that are not yours. Have you ever had the joy of attempting to correct or discipline somebody else's kids. It's a little bit different than disciplining your own kids. Why? It's a different relationship. Got my kids in the row there. When their dad, Eric Stanley, speaks and disciplines them, the hope and prayer is that they joyfully obey all the time, right away, and with the right attitude. Right, kids? That's what we say. I'm not, I'm not seeing any head nods there. This, it's different when dad says to do something. Now, 
by God's grace and for his glory. I hope that if any of the adults here in this room were to correct my kids or discipline my kids, they would respond just as quickly and just as joyfully. But we know when we discipline others that are outside of our family unit, it's different. We have different expectations, response, sorrow, obedience looks a bit different. Why? Because there is a different relationship. So the discipline of the Lord is not one that just is whack-a-mole type of discipline. The discipline of the Lord is based on a relationship that is very meaningful and extremely significant and eternally impactful. Remember John 3.16, for God so loved the world, what did he do? Kids, what did he do? John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he did what? He gave his only son. There we go. Whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. God loved, and so he gave his son. He gave his son. Sacrifice. Jesus In perfect obedience to the Father, what did he do? He became obedient, even to the point of death. He came and took on flesh, humbled himself, and went to a cross, sacrificing himself for others. There's a relationship at the core and foundation of this discipline that the author of Hebrews is going to unpack in chapter number 12. Our Heavenly Father disciplines from the basis of, or you could even say he disciplines out of this relationship that he has with us through his Son, our great high priest. So before discipline is even on the scene, we are reminded of a relationship. Friends, one of the greatest tactics of this thief of John 10, 10, that has come to steal, kill, and destroy. One of the greatest tactics is that this thief robs us of understanding and remembering our identity in Christ and with Christ to the Father. Do you remember this morning that you are chosen, accepted, adopted sons and daughters? You are elect, known, beloved, predestined, a child of God, and accepted. I am called a friend. In Jesus Christ, I am a joint heir with him before the Father. This is who God's word says that I am. There is certainly a meaningful relationship through Jesus Christ to the Father. Verse number five then is seeking to recalibrate the hearts and minds of these original readers and for us even today back to the reality of a relationship. It's difficult in the midst of discipline, in the moment, to remember a relationship. Kids, when mom and dad discipline you at home, it's hard to remember that, man, this mom and dad who's disappointing me right now loves me and cares for me and wants the best for me. The only thing you can see in that moment is what? The discipline. It's uncomfortable. It's difficult. It doesn't feel good. But there's a relationship, a 
the heart and foundation of the discipline. In the same way, we as sons and daughters of God, when we are in the midst of discipline, under the heat and challenge and discomfort of discipline, we must remember by God's grace and for his glory that there is a relationship present there. That God loves me and cares for me so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for me. And so I receive discipline remembering this meaningful relationship. Our author does this recalibrating work of our hearts and our minds, reminding us of this relationship by quoting once again from the Old Testament. He goes back to Proverbs chapter number 3, verses 11 and 12, right here in chapter number 12, and he begins to unpack this concept of corrective discipline from the Lord that reveals a meaningful relationship. So Proverbs chapter number 3, I'm going to read them from that main text there, verses 11 and 12 of Proverbs 3 says this, my son, relationship, my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline, or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. Don't be weary or faint-hearted. Remember that discipline comes through or out of a relationship. The Lord reproves him whom he loves as the father of the son in whom he delights. Working bivocational for a number of years, I was a manager. uh, And part of the responsibility of managing and leading a team is that we need to ensure Each individual on that team is maximizing the potential and their role within the organization. This involved the dreaded performance reviews. You ever had a performance review in your job or your role in the workplace? What was it? What's a performance review? It was... An evaluation based on the goals and objectives that were outlined by the organization at the beginning of the year. And it was also based on the corresponding commitments by the employee to do their role and to achieve those goals. And it was my dreaded responsibility as a manager to ensure my team had everything they needed to be wildly successful in their role. It was my responsibility to ensure that each person on that team had the knowledge, the skills, exhibited the behaviors to go out and be successful in their role. And we had periodic reviews, typically quarterly, and then a larger one at the end of the year. You are familiar with this type of performance cycle, but we would review periodically. How are we doing? What are your results? How are you trending towards the commitments that you've made to do these things and to complete these tasks and to accomplish these things? We're evaluating and reviewing. It was interesting, though, oftentimes those were joyful exchanges. Why? Because I attempted, by God's grace and for his glory, to be an involved and invested manager to help them be successful. I trust 
that was built over time, months and years with those employees. There was unique times, though, where maybe somebody, there was attrition, somebody moved on, and we had to hire a new person, and then they just happened to come on board during one of these checkpoints. Have you ever been there before? You had to be a part of a performance review, or you had to give one when there wasn't yet a relationship established? This person comes on your team, you don't know anything about them. They've only been in the role a month, and you have to give them advice and counsel and corrective action to be better in their role. There was no relationship, therefore the conversation was cold and distant, short answers, nothing productive. You came away thinking, man, that was a waste of time. Not sure what this person's going to do as they go out and start a new quarter or a new month. There was no relationship. There was no trust, expectations, responses, reactions. It takes time to build that. Spiritually, in our relationship with the Lord, when discipline comes, when corrective action comes, when there's reviews, so to speak, and the Lord convicts our heart over sin, are we walking with the Lord? Are we bearing fruit? And every good work. It's the fruit of the Spirit evident in our life. Are we walking in the Spirit, following Him? This isn't a matter of us just doing more, right? Or working harder. This is us looking to whom? Jesus, the one who has the Trinitarian relationship with God the Father. And based on His relationship, I can go boldly before the throne of grace and receive help and grace for my time of need. Relationship strongly influences our response to corrective discipline in any area of life. So as a believer, one who is redeemed by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, how should we think about discipline and reproof and correction in our lives? Our author of Hebrews quoted Proverbs Chapter number three, to remind us of this relationship. And Proverbs goes on to talk a little bit more about discipline. In Proverbs chapter number 12, verse number one, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. This is a bold statement concerning the one who hates reproof. I tried to find a translation for our kids that maybe didn't use that word, but over and over, the translation kept going back to this word, he who hates reproof is stupid. Is that accurate? The Hebrew word used there in Proverbs 12, verse number one for stupid is accurately translated as such. It has the idea of dull-hearted, unreceptive, lacking of any rationality. The one who hates reproof who pushes against the discipline of the Lord. It's not rational. It makes no sense. They are dull-hearted, unreceptive to the work that God is attempting to do through his gracious and loving discipline. But whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. It is wise and good for us to gladly receive the discipline of the Lord. Proverbs 6, verses 20 through 23, my son... Again, relationship. My son, keep your father's commandment and forsake not your mother's teaching. Kids, did you hear? (laughs) 
Keep your father's commandment and forsake not your mother's teaching. Bind them on your heart always. Tie them around your neck. When you walk, they will lead you. When you lie down, they will watch over you. And when you wake, they will talk with you. For the commandment is a lamp and the teaching a light. And the reproofs of discipline, get this, are the way of life. The reproofs of discipline are the way of life. Do you remember John 10, 10? I've quoted it a few times this morning. The thief comes to do what? Steal, kill, and destroy. This is a thief of death and destruction. But Jesus says in John 10, 10, I have come that you would have life and have it more abundantly. How do we have life, abundant life in our Christian walk? It's through the good and gracious and loving discipline of the Lord. It is the way of life. It comes through reproof and correction and discipline. Based on this relationship, what are our takeaways from our author's quotation from Proverbs 3? He goes on to say, what? Do not regard the discipline of the Lord lightly. Value it. Cherish it. Learn from it. Regard it not lightly, but highly. When it's present, don't attempt to sidestep it. Don't attempt to avoid it. Don't attempt to to run from it. So don't regard it lightly. Secondly, do not grow weary of the discipline of the Lord. Linger in this discipline. Remember, our spiritual maturity necessitates the continual discipline of the Lord. This is the nature of progressive sanctification. This is the work of the Lord through his loving relationship with us through his Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior, and the Good Shepherd, remembering that he will withhold no good thing. Do you remember last week? From whom? Those who walk uprightly. No good thing. Yes, even discipline. He will not withhold that from you because he knows that it is good for you. Have you been around a family He doesn't know the Lord. They're they're learning and growing and their understanding of God's word, the heart uh, of a parent towards their children. And and maybe there's not structure and discipline in the home. Kids can be unruly, right? You can have delayed obedience. They can seek their will, even that of the authority or a parent. The thought comes to your mind. In those situations is what? They just need a little bit more discipline. Why? Because discipline is good and helpful and right. So don't grow weary, but rather endure through discipline, remembering this is for our good and for his glory. Well, I got through the introduction and the first point, and I need to be done. We have two more points, but thankfully, uh, I'm just going to pick this up next week and build on it. I want to give us, make sure we have time for A&I, but I want to close our service. I don't know if you guys see that video in the slide deck up there. 
I want to close the service with a song. And the song is by Shane and Shane. It's called Though You Slay Me. And at the end of this song, there's actually some commentary from John Piper on a sermon that he preached concerning challenging circumstances and difficulty. And I want to let the ministry of music and the truth of the song and ultimately the commendation and the challenge that Pastor John Piper gives us concerning our response and our reaction to discipline, difficulty, struggle in our life. So let's listen to the song, meditate on the words, and I'll come and close the service here in a moment. I come, I come, return to the Lord, the one who's broken, the one who's torn me apart. You strike down to bind me up, you say you do it all in love, that I might know you your suffering and though you slay me yet I will praise you though you take from me I will bless your name though you ruin me still I will Your affliction momentary. Not only is all your affliction light, 
in comparison to eternity and the glory there, but all of it is totally meaningful. Every millisecond of your pain from the fallen nature or fallen man, every millisecond of your misery in the path of obedience is producing a peculiar glory you will get because of that. I don't care if it was cancer or criticism. I don't care if it was slander or sickness. It wasn't meaningless. It's doing something. It's not meaningless. Of course you can't see what it's doing. Don't look to what is seen. When your mom dies, when your kid dies, when you've got cancer at 40, when a car careens into the sidewalk and takes her out, don't, don't say, it's meaningless. It's not. It's working for you an eternal weight of glory. Therefore, therefore, do not lose heart, but take these truths and day by day, Focus on them. Preach them to yourself every morning. Get alone with God and preach his word into your mind until your heart sings with confidence that you are new and cared for. week we're going to cover corrective discipline from the Lord deploys with significant purpose and to talk about the whys behind discipline and then finally we're going to look at corrective discipline from the Lord produces godly character it is doing something it is meaningful hope that song minister to your heart today no matter what you're going through let's go ahead and close in a word of prayer and we're going to split out to our A&I times and uh, have the kids go down for the children's church. Would you join me in prayer? God, we come to you right now, and I just pray that you would do a work that I could never do, a work of challenging and convicting the hearts and minds of those that have heard and received the Word of God. I pray that you would change our thoughts and our minds concerning discipline I pray that we would not grow weary or faint-hearted of your discipline, but we would remember that it is based on a meaningful relationship, one that has been secured through the death of your Son, Jesus Christ, who has reconciled us back to yourself. So I pray that we would remember that this morning. And those circumstances may linger on difficult, hard, unpleasant, not what we would hope or choose 
God, that we would remember that through discipline, you are changing us to be more like your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for this time. It's in your precious name we pray.